Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you lead your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day of your life. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and also author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is www.thementalhealthgym.com, which is your source for positive psychology and rejuvenating advice and a way to communicate with me. I hope that you will enter any discussions on the website and also give suggestions for future guests on this show. Now, today we have a very special guest who both lives her life with enthusiasm and can help all of us to live ours with enthusiasm and with some real practical good advice. Dr. Cindy McGovern is an expert in the areas of sales, interpersonal communication, relationships, and management. She has earned her reputation by helping literally hundreds of companies to grow their business. She is the author of the Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Every Job is a Sales Job. How to Use the Art of Selling to Win at Work. She's also a popular and inspiring speaker. Dr. Cindy has presented at national and international conferences on a wide variety of sales, leadership, and motivational topics. As CEO of Orange Leaf Consulting, she has coached and guided companies and individuals to achieve professional success and sustainable revenue growth. With a doctorate degree in organizational communication, she can quickly figure out what an organization or individual needs to be more successful, and her current knowledge of many industries keeps her abreast of the best practices and the quickest time to success and growth. And what I would also like to add is Dr. Cindy has earned the reputation of the first lady of sales. <laughs> so I'm always honored to have a first lady of, of anything and particularly of such an important topic. Dr. Cindy, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Thank you so much. It is absolutely an honor and pleasure to be here today. Well, the honor is all ours, and I know you've got a lot to contribute, so why don't we start? Maybe the first thing is one of real curiosity. Uh, most people I know in the sales field do not have a doctorate. Uh, <laughs> I kind of have the feeling that you didn't just get to be first lady of sales by selling lots of things. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how somebody with a doctor's degree becomes the first lady of sales? It's a great question. And it's kind of a funny story because I never wanted to be in sales, believe it or not. So fast forward, here I am 20 something years later, known as the first lady of sales. And I was the one that got into it kicking and screaming. So I went to college and thought I was going to be a college professor. And that's why I went for a PhD in organizational communication. And I was teaching school. I was teaching college and public speaking, leadership, ethics, all sorts of amazing courses that I felt very passionate about. And then fast forward, started doing consulting in the summer, as many professors do, and then ended up going into consulting full-time. About six months into my full-fledged consulting 
profession, I was put into a sales role and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to get fired. I can't, I can't do this job. And through that journey and realizing that I could sell, and I had actually been selling my whole life. I just didn't call it sales. That's what brought me to doing sales consulting. And then that's how I got the nickname, the first lady of sales was trying to help people get over that ick factor of sales. (laughs) That's really, really interesting. So nowadays, what do you do during the course of a normal week? So a normal week is anything but normal for me because I travel so much to go see clients and I'm speaking at a lot of conferences. But when I'm not on the road, I'm doing a lot of coaching with my clients. So I'm getting up, I'm doing my usual walk with my dog and you know, move the body, get moving in the morning and feel good about that and then have my breakfast. And then I am literally on the phone probably most of the day trying to help others to grow their businesses or give themselves permission to actually go after what they want pivoting their careers, all kinds of things. So my day is pretty packed with, thankfully, being able to help others. Wonderful. Must be very rewarding. And I'm wondering who reaches out to you. Are they individuals who are moving forward with their careers or does somebody who is a sales manager or a sales executive in a company reach out for a company? Who do you actually work with? So it's actually a little bit of everybody. A lot of times an organization will reach out to us. So like the sales manager or the owner or somebody in a leadership position will reach out and say, hey, we're looking to grow our business. And then we start that dialogue. And then other times somebody has seen us on social media or watched one of my videos and it'll be an individual contributor. And we also get a lot of solopreneurs and entrepreneurs who are starting their business or pivoting their business or even folks that are now starting a new career and want to elevate. So we've got kind of a breadth of folks that we end up getting to be able to help, which is actually really fun. And I think that's part of what actually helps us to be able to help them better is because we do get all these different experiences to bring to the table. Well, there are lots of consultants and coaches in the world. What do you think has made you so successful? You know, that's a great question. And I feel really blessed to be able to sit here and say, I've been in business for 11 years and to be able to do this every day. But I think the thing that has contributed to the success I've been able to enjoy is the fact that I really do care. You know, no coach doesn't care, but I really do care about the results of the client. And I will care so much that we'll actually walk away from a client if it's not a good fit. If we're not the person to help you elevate, if we're not the team that's going to bring you to the next level, we'll walk away from the opportunity. So I think it's sort of the thing that's made us successful and me successful as a coach is choosing the right clients and them choosing us. And it's the right time too. And any coach out there knows it takes two to tango. So you've got to have somebody that's that's willing to do the work. But I think that's the main thing is we really do care about getting the results and we are very results-driven, and so the timing is everything. Well, that may be a real definition of success is the ability to walk away from something, even if it might be lucrative, if you don't think that you're the right fit for them. And that's been part of my philosophy since day one when I started the company. You know, my breadth is very narrow, but very deep. I'm great at this thing. (laughs) And so when you're looking for somebody to help you on, I don't know, social media, that's not us. That's not what we do. We're sales. We're the people part. We're the, the behavioral part. And so we're really clear on that. And if people are needing something that's outside of our expertise, I'd rather point them in the direction to somebody that can help them versus 
risk my reputation on the line and risk the company's reputation on the line and quite frankly, end up with them not being very happy at the end of all of this. I want them to walk away with a really great story to tell of how we grew their business and help them bring it to the next level. Great. Your book is called Every Job is a Sales Job. Now, I remember many years ago when I was in the process of choosing a career, I took an interest test and so on. And one of my lowest rated areas was sales as far as interest. And now, like five decades later, I'm learning that that's part of my job. (laughs) Number one, can you explain the, the whole concept of every job as a sales job? And then tell us about the book, because I mean, it sounds like people can get quite a an exposure to your thinking, even if they're not, you know, employing you. Yeah. And that was really why I wrote the book, actually, is so that people can get sort of the, the snippet version and be able to elevate their careers and their lives by using the formula that I teach in the book. But it's funny because going back to that sort of aptitude test and, and desires, had I taken one of those early on, I'm pretty sure I would have scored sales pretty low as well. But it's because I think we have this misconception of what sales actually is. And, and that was my misconception of it. I thought it was sort of the, you know, Tommy Two Thumbs, the guy on the used car lot coming at you, going to sell you this deal, whatever it is. And that's not really what sales is. Sales, in my opinion, is helping other people get what they need. And I'm never going to sell you something you don't need. I'm never going to sell you something you don't want. And I'm not going to teach you to do that either. I'm not going to teach you the slick tactics of sales. I'm going to teach you truly understanding how to help others with whatever gifts or talents that you have to offer. And had somebody told me that's what sales was decades ago, I probably would have been like, oh, wait, I can do that. (laughs) That's actually what drove me to write the book is I realized, you know, having done sales in my career, that this is not just a business skill, that it's actually a life skill. And it should be taught in high school, in my opinion. And I had seven years of higher education. You've had higher education. Obviously, we don't get our, our degrees, you know, just passing by. And I had an amazing education, but I wasn't taught what's in this book. And I thought, gosh, if I had this amazing education and I didn't learn this until I was sort of on the job, think of how many people this could help. And if I had known this 25 years ago, would my path have been completely different? And so that's why I wrote the book. And the book is really addressing the X factor of sales and then giving you a five-step sales process that you can take to get ahead at work, to get ahead at your job, at your career, at your life, and more importantly, getting what you want. And so that's why I wrote the book. Can you give us a short course on the five steps? Absolutely. So the first step is planning. And it's funny because a lot of folks who are either pivoting their career or trying to advance their careers think they have a plan and they actually don't. (laughs) So we have an idea, which is not necessarily a plan. An idea is a concept. A plan is a step-by-step guide. And so I teach you how to actually take your idea and turn it into a proper plan and how to take that first step. And then once you have a plan in place is when you can actually do step two, which is looking for the opportunities. And it's funny because once you realize what you actually want, you start to see it everywhere. And and I'm sure you know this from (laughs) psychology and psychiatry, like it's the blue car syndrome. Once you buy a blue car, you see them everywhere. And you thought, oh, wait a minute, I thought I was the only one on my street that had one. (laughs) So it's looking for those opportunities to help you get closer to your goal, whether that is new clients or a new career 
or a new network or a new social circle even. And then once you look for those opportunities, step three is about listening and establishing trust with that network. And I think this is one of the most often skipped steps in sales personally, because we go straight to the pitch. You know, we want to give them everything that we think we have to offer, but listening and establishing trust is actually how you build a sale for not just today, but for tomorrow. And I really think this will help your listeners to build their networks as well. And maybe even re-tap into those networks of yesteryear and remembering how all of these people that you've helped in the past, maybe they'd like to help you going forward, but you've got to listen to how it can be mutually beneficial today. And then step four is once you figure that out and you've listened, you get to ask and you ask for what you want or what you need or what you have to offer. But again, making sure that the other party is getting something out of this as well. And believe it or not, that is the most often skipped step of even seasoned sales pros. They get all the way to the finish line and then they sort of leave it out there without really asking for the business or asking for what they're looking for. So I really spend a lot of time talking about that and preparing for the answers because it could be yes, it could be no, it could be maybe. And I teach you in the book how to actually prep for that because it will change the way you actually phrase your ask. And then the last step is the other one that I think is the most important, which is following up with gratitude. And I live my life by this. This is sort of my own personal philosophy, but nobody does this life alone. I wouldn't be where I am without having amazing mentors, networks, friends, family guides that have supported me along through this. And I think continuing to follow up with those people and letting them know how much you appreciate them and what they've done for you really just helps to continue to grow your network even more because then you have all these people that are telling your story with you and for you. And it's not just up to you. So any solopreneur, entrepreneur, somebody that's shifting careers, do you have your network working for you or are they just waiting for you to ask them for help? And I think the more you show them gratitude, the more they're going to want to help you. So those are the five steps in a very tiny nutshell. (laughs) Thanks very much. I mean, this is really incredible. I think some of the people who need it the most are those of us who are in professional fields who were taught by academics on kind of the assumption that we would either be working in a hospital or in a school or that we wouldn't have to sell anything because people then would be coming to us. There is an established population. And then for many, many of us, we go into private practice, Mm -hmm. which uh, the more I talk with you, the more it reinforces something I've begun to, to recognize, which it is that sales is an important part of the job. And I really was impressed when you told me about the matter of the following up with gratitude, because I think that that's kind of what separates true salespeople who are in a career from those who are doing a job. Yeah. It's the transactionship versus relationship sale. You know, the transactionship people are one and done, sell you this, get out of the way. The relationship sell is what I'm teaching, which is you want this to be lasting. Even if it's a one-time interaction with that person, you want them to walk away with a great story to tell about it. And it's funny that you talk about you know going into private practice and things like that. In today's world, we have to remember that we are a peer review economy. We are looking on Yelp. We're looking on Google reviews. We are looking in hospitals, patient satisfaction scores, health grades, all of these things. Now we live in this peer review society. I mean, if you shop online, You always look at how many stars the product has and then you go from there. And so recognizing the fact that 
we're selling our patients or our clients on their experience with us. And if we give them a good enough experience, then they want to go tell that story. And that's what I'm hoping that I'm able to achieve in the book is empowering folks like you, folks like me, who then now know how to go do this for themselves to build their own networks and build their own business. Great. The last five or six minutes have been maybe the most concentrated best five or six minutes in all my podcasts. Some people have achieved it in a half hour, but this is really <laughs> terrific. So if somebody is in their car and they got to their destination, I know they, they've appreciated what they've heard so far. So what you've discussed has been very important from a general standpoint. About th- two or three weeks ago, I guess it's the third podcast, where I mentioned the fact that historically... I felt that my podcasts were evergreen, that whenever you listen to it, you know, if it was recorded in March of 2020, that you'll be able to hear it in September of 2020. And it wouldn't matter whether it was March or June or whenever it was done. Obviously, we are now going through the coronavirus pandemic. I think, first of all, we owe it to our listeners to provide any input that we can if we have any special expertise in that area. But I think it also is kind of wrong to pretend that that there isn't a world out there at this time that brings its own stresses, own new situations, and so on. So I'm wondering, I'm sure that there are a number of people in the sales field or in all fields (laughs) where they regard sales as part of their job I'm sure there are a number of them who are dependent upon public contact. In the health field, some of us are doing telehealth at this point. But the amount of public contact that we get isn't as great and perhaps not as fulfilling. And in some cases, kind of scary because of the ambiguity about it. Have any special advice for them? You know, I do because this has impacted my business as well. I'm going through it just as your listeners are. And I've had so many of my clients reach out almost in a panic of, you know, what does this mean for life after today? And I think the first thing is to recognize the emotion that we're having. You know, is it fear? Is it grief? You know, what is the actual emotion? Name it and and sort of honor that, that this is going to change. Like this is going to change whatever happens. And it's 9-11 changed the way that travel works forever. This is going to change something. We don't know what it is yet, right? So what I would say to the folks in sales is what I do think this does for us as an industry, and I'm going to say, you know, sales as an industry, is it forces us to look at other ways to connect with people. And we have technology. We live in an amazing time right now that we can do a video interview. We can have podcasts and carry them around on our phones and our pockets. I mean, it's amazing what we have. But it is recognizing the emotion that you're feeling around having to use something different. And I think that's what's freaking people out is maybe you've had technology all along. You just didn't want to use it because you prefer face-to-face contact. I do. I'd much rather sit across from a prospect than, than do a video or a phone call. But it is where we are. So recognize the emotion around it. And then you can actually deal with it and figure out how to go forward. But I think what you'll find, and most of my clients are seeing this, they're enjoying the conversations they're having. We so often today hide behind email and now they're actually talking to people again. 
it's this magical thing. And I hope that's the thing that comes out of this pandemic is that we remember to connect with each other as humans, because I think it's pretty magical. So I would tell folks in a sales role, go back to the roots, go back to that, but don't be afraid of some of the resources at hand for you, like technology, like video conferencing, because I think we sort of get in our rut. And during this pandemic, I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow. It's quite frightening. But I think we have to also recognize that we've been through other things. It wasn't this, but we've been through other things or other changes have come at us, whether it was something that was forced upon us, if we lost a job or the economy shifted or our company was sold or we went out on our own to be a solopreneur, it still changed and you still got through it. And so that's what I would tell the sales folks is look beyond this space that you're in right now and look at what your clients and prospects are needing and find a way to connect with that. And if that is using technology, if it is using the telephone, if it is video conferencing, whatever, I think you'll be surprised how well you'll do. But I do think there's that emotional piece that we have to address and honor in the beginning. Definitely. And I think, again, people have to be prepared to and adapt to change. That's how we've survived as a species and will continue to do so. But there is a subset of people who have either lost their jobs or are in kind of a limbo about whether they will. If it goes on for another month, maybe they'll keep it. If it goes longer than that, the whole place may shut down or whatever it may be. Any specific special advice to them? Yeah, that is a population that, interestingly enough, I've had a number of them reach out to me on social media, private messages and direct messages about, and a lot of them are in the service industry or professional services industries. You know, like, what's going to happen if I don't have a job to go back to? What do I do? What should I be doing right now to plan? And I think it depends on the industry that you're in. But again, the first thing that I would say is, where do you want to be? Maybe this is somewhat of a gift to force you to look at are you where you want to be or are you just sort of on the hamster wheel? Is this an opportunity for you to reevaluate and say, is what I'm doing every day bringing me the joy that I want it to? Is it giving me the enthusiasm? Is it giving me the excitement? Is it giving me an opportunity to show my gifts to the world? And if it's not, maybe that's your chance to take a step back and start to plan. And maybe it's not in the, in the way that we had anticipated and in the timing that we had anticipated, but perhaps it is still a gift in that way. And those are the folks that, jobs are in jeopardy. My heart goes out to you. I completely get it. But I do also think this is the time not to sit back, but to reach out to your network and to start shaking those trees and seeing what's out there. And that's a sales call. That's a sales opportunity for you to start doing your personal branding, reaching out to the people that you know, instead of sitting here. And the fear is overwhelming a lot of times for people. But acknowledge that you're afraid, but do something with it and reach out and start finding those other opportunities. The economy will come back. We are a strong economy. It's not going to stay that way forever, but you will have to be proactive. And so that's what I would tell them is, is use this time to reevaluate what you want and then start utilizing that network to find out what is available to you for sure. That's wonderful advice. And that brings me to, there's one other population I'd like to ask you about. As you know, my book is called Rejuvenaging. And really, the podcast, which came about after the book, I try to make it as general as possible. And the advice you've given is certainly applicable across all age ranges. But there is a population of people who are in their second half century of life. And 
if and when we get through this, some of the things that are in the world health-wise, technology-wise, knowledge that we have about diet, exercise, healthy eating, keeping our brains active, and so on, will mean that, that many people will live a long and healthy life. In talking with some of my contemporaries, I find that one of the byproducts of the coronavirus pandemic is that people are starting to rethink that, hey, nothing is promised forever. If I get through this, maybe I don't want to keep doing what I've been doing. Or if I'm retiring, maybe I want to think differently about retirement, whether it's something paid or something unpaid. Mm -hmm. Somebody who has been following a particular direction for three or four decades, it's now thinking about pivoting. What do you got to say to them? Do it. Absolutely do it. As scary as it is. And I've been there. I've done it myself. I started my company at the bottom of the economic market in 2008, 2009. So I, I, get, I get the fear part of it. But I think that's where the emotion piece comes in again, which is acknowledging what the emotion is that you're feeling. Is it only fear that's holding you back? because you have an amazing skill set to bring to the world, go do it. You know, a lot of our clients are in their second half. <laughs> and so a lot of our coaching is around giving themselves permission to go after what they want. And it's funny because there's a generational gap, of course, where, you know, our generations are, we were raised that you go and you do the job and you do the job well, and then you retire and then you do whatever you do in retirement where now the generations are having five, six, seven careers, so to speak, you know, they're changing jobs all the time. And my generation's stuck in the middle somewhere. <laughs> so for those that are, are used to having that sort of, you know, one career until they retire, why, where is it written that you have to have that? Where is it written that you have to do that? If you're unhappy, let's examine that. And maybe this moment during this pandemic is giving you that pause to examine that and say, I want something more. I want something different. And really explore those feelings around what that is. And then again, go after it. Go figure out what it is, where you can get it, who can help you. Because if you're going to be reinvented, the only person that is going to be able to do that is you. <laughs> so figure out what you want that new personal brand to be and who can help you. Yeah, it would be kind of ironic if this pandemic and all the stress connected with it that will undoubtedly be harmful to some people in this age range will help some people to become them, <laughs> what they really aspire to be. And while you hate to think of any good coming out of something like this, perhaps some will. As we've been listening to you, there are a couple of things that, that just are obvious, one of which is your own enthusiasm and your caring. And so the enthusiasm, it's not just the salesperson, bubbly personality type thing, but something really genuine about the way that you lead your life. And I guess, while it may be a, a very nebulous question, but what makes you so enthusiastic and what keeps you going at this high level dynamic pace that you use? It's a great question. And it's funny because people ask, they're like, are you always this happy? And the answer is yes. <laughs> it's like, and I think part of it is because I got to choose this path. I am so blessed and so lucky. I get to wake up every day and help people get what they want. That is like the best gig on the planet if you ask me. And so I do feel very, very fortunate that I get to do that. And that actually is what fuels me. And 
client success fuels me. When I get a text message from somebody that they got the promotion that they wanted, or they landed the job that they wanted, or they got their first people to sign up for their online course that they started. These are things that keep me going. And you know, I'm human. I have down days like anyone else. But when you look at the perspective of life and look at, you know, nothing is bad really that I have to deal with on a day to day. I'm very fortunate. My, I'm in good health. My family as well. Like life is good and there's a lot to be grateful for. And that's also, you know, my fifth step is gratitude. I choose to come from that place. I choose to start my day from a place of abundance and happiness versus a place of scarcity. And I think that's really helping my clients to go through this pandemic and the coaching that I'm giving them is because they'll come to a coaching call afraid or scared or worried what's going to happen after this. And I'm trying to sort of transfer that energy to them of saying, but today it's okay. Today, we're okay. We woke up, your family's healthy, everybody's okay. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But like you said, we're not promised anything. So it's helping us to sort of wake up and, and be grateful for what we do have. Wonderful, wonderful advice. This has been a really fascinating, enlightening, a really wonderful time spent with you. And I'm wondering uh, for those many listeners for whom a half hour of Cindy McGovern may not be enough, whether it be somebody who is interested in following you on social media, to somebody who may be interested in purchasing the book, to somebody who may be a high-level executive who may be wanting to work with you more intensely, how does somebody find you? I am super easy to find. I am Dr. Cindy at drcindy.com is my email address. You can go to the website, drcindy.com, or you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at Dr. Cindy or First Lady of Sales, either one. Okay, wonderful. I can't thank you enough for taking this time. It's been very enlightening and it's been particularly inspiring at a time like this. So I can't promise you that I won't ask you again someday, but I really <laughs> appreciate the time that you spent with us today and the very best of success to you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, keep helping people to be the best versions of themselves that they can be. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to be here. I'm a big fan, so thank you for having me. Thanks a lot. So this has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser, the podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically. There are many, many guests who can help us do that, although we really had a star today. Be glad to, again, hear from you at any time at thementalhealthgym.com. If you haven't purchased the book Rejuvenating, please look into doing so. And again, I'm always happy to hear your comments, and your suggestions for future guests at ron.kaiser at thementalhealthgym.com. So until the next podcast, this is Ron Kaiser signing off. <laughs>